Hello and welcome to the Heirs to Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 22. Today I will be starting my discussions on the Chamber of Secrets book. I'm going to be talking about chapter 1 and chapter 2. So chapter 1 is called The Worst Birthday and chapter 2 is called Dobby's Warning. I'm going to be talking about both of them today. Chapter 1 is a little bit of a shorter chapter and there's kind of a lot of recap from the first book in it. So I didn't want to spend a whole episode just on that when there wasn't too, too much to unpack, you know, but the second chapter does have a lot to unpack. So combining them both in today's episode. And before I get into the chapter discussion, as always, I'm going to talk about recent news for Wizarding World, Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, all that. As you guys know, Fantastic Beasts is coming out very soon, a lot sooner in the UK. It comes out April 8th, which is this week. Um, today's Sunday the 3rd when I'm recording this, so it comes out on April 8th in the UK. In America, unfortunately, we have to wait until April 15th. Tickets did go out last week, and I already bought my tickets for my, fo- my first three showings, so I'm really excited. Not so excited that I have to wait until next week, but I'm excited nonetheless that it's coming out soon, and it was delayed for so long, so I'm glad I finally get to see it, especially because this movie looks amazing. And I'm really excited to see where the story is going, even though I am a little bit nervous because I'm not sure what's going to happen. Even though we do know that eventually Dumbledore does defeat Grindelwald, it's not going to happen in this movie. So really curious to see what's going to go on there. And people are starting to see it, you know, early screenings, things like that in the UK. And I just know like you too, if you don't want to see spoilers and stuff, just start muting everything now. Um... Mute those accounts, mute the words, mute the characters, just any phrases, things like that, that you might see on your timeline accidentally. So I need to do that. But with Fantastic Beast news, obviously there's not too much to talk about in regards to the contents of the movie. We have seen like pictures from the premiere. The world premiere was in London um, last week, saw pictures of the cast there. It was really cool to see that. There's also more little snippets that the cast... Um, recorded I guess you can say where they're like on set and they're answering questions um the other day I saw one about Eddie Redmayne and Dan Fogler who play Newt's commander and Jacob Kowalski respectively they were doing like uh, it was two minutes 20 seconds just talking about creatures and they were just talking about some of like the Ministry of Magic skill like 1x versus 5x's like how dangerous a creature is they mentioned some creatures made some connections to Harry Potter and how there's Care for Magical Creatures class and things like that. But besides all that, um, the one thing about this movie that I do want to talk about, just part of like my news section here in this episode, is that the runtime was revealed. So this article I found on cinemablend.com, and it's called, the article title is Fantastic Beasts. The Secret of Dumbledore's runtime is seemingly revealed, and it's pretty long, so seemingly revealed i guess it's not confirmed but pretty good chance that this is true so the first two movies were two hours and 12 minutes and two hours and 14 minutes respectively and this third installment is apparently two hours and 22 minutes so you know it's not short but i would just me personally i wouldn't mind like a seven hour movie or whatever or even like a show but 
I'm so excited this movie is coming out and I'm glad that it's long. I'm glad that it's not short. One of the things about Deathly Hollows Part 2 that I never really understood was that it's the shortest movie out of all the movies. Not that the last movie has to be the longest, but they could have shown more. They could have done a little bit more with, you know, the time. It was the shortest movie. The longest Harry Potter movie is Chamber of Secrets. So, you know, interesting. One other thing about this article I wanted to point out was that, you know, how Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is the name of the first movie. And it's the name of like the famous book that Newt writes in the Harry Potter series. So underneath the article title, it says Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find the Time to Watch a Long Movie. I thought that was funny. And I already have tickets for three of them. So yeah, three showings. So I'm really excited. Okay. Next piece of news is that there is a new collaboration. So it's Harry Potter and the Case to Fi collection, and Tom Felton is like the face of it. So I saw this video on Twitter the other day. Um, he's just using like a phone. You see him with like a Slytherin case on his phone. So Case to Fi is like customizable tech accessories. They're a brand and they teamed up with Warner Brothers. So we have this new collection. Um, and it's really cool. So they have like phones, so iPhones, they have stuff for, um, Samsung smartphones for Nintendo switch consoles, air tags, iPads, AirPods, Apple watch straps, MagSafe wallets, phone straps that you add to your phone case. They have magnetic wireless chargers, but I guess those already sold out the magnetic wireless chargers. So however, all of the other products are representing like Hogwarts, you can do like a Hogwarts house crest. And they also have Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. So in the trailer, of course, Tom Felton was using like Slytherin stuff. And his had Dean Malfoy like embroidered at the bottom of his iPhone case, which is really cool because he is Draco Malfoy, you know. So they're like leather and they have four house color. They have the house colors depending on which house you get. Um, and it's really cool. And I really like how they added that detail where it was like Draco Malfoy. Um they have some really specific things too, not just like how specific, not just Gryffindor, not just like whatever. They also have a limited edition Golden Snitch AirPods Pro case. So I think I really want to get that. And it comes with a clip that has I open at the clothes written on it. So I think I really want to get this. So it's really cool. And, you know, just little details like that about the clothes has a clip on it. Also, they have... um a Nimbus 2000 iPhone case. So it has golden writing and like a wood grain, just like the actual broom does. And they also have a basilisk case and it's like fading blue, green, and purple colors, like the snake print. Um, they also have a Marauder's map. So a Marauder's map iPhone case. So um, apparently if you tilt the phone case, the map will appear and disappear. So it's really cool. I mean, they also have iPad cases. I just bought an iPad case for my iPad. So, you know, might not do that, even though it would be cool. But I'm really interested to see um, some of the other stuff. I really like the way some of these look. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. They even have a really cool iPhone case that's just like little Harry Potter things. So they have like a Deathly Hollows. They have a scar, the lightning bolt scar, broomstick, snitch, glasses, that kind of thing. The Apple Watch bands. I don't like them as much. Not that I don't like them, but they're just not as cool as I thought they would be. They also have some of these cases where, you know how you can like have, not like a wallet on the back of your case, but you can put cards in it or whatever. They have that as well. They also have a mirror of a reset 
iPhone case. So it's pretty cool. They have some really cool stuff in here. So I'm excited. I'm glad that there's like a little collection going on. This is probably a really good time to do it because of Fantastic Beasts coming out because Hogwarts isn't just Harry Potter. It's, you know, it's Fantastic Beasts as well. So it's pretty cool that they have that. And yeah, so if you're a Harry Potter fan, you want a little something fun to have and a new case for something, then there you go. This new collection's out. Okay, and before I get into the content of the Chamber of Secrets chapter one for this episode, I just wanted to remind everybody of my email. It's the heirs of Slytherin podcast at gmail.com. Twitter page is at Slytherin pod. Facebook page is heirs of Slytherin podcast. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. You can also leave me voice messages through the Anchor link and donate to this podcast as well. And it would mean so much if you would subscribe, write a review, listen to my episodes, and just spread the word. Also, if you listen to a podcast platform regularly and I'm not on there, go ahead and let me know and I'll try to see about putting this podcast on there. Okay. So last week's episode, I talked about the final Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore trailer, and I talked about my opinions, theories, thoughts, that kind of thing. In the episode before that, I actually talked about a discussion, like comparison between the Sorcerer's Stone book and movie, because I had finished the Sorcerer's Stone book discussion for the chapters the previous episode before that. So... That's why I'm on Chamber of Secrets now. I would have been on it before, but that Fantastic Beasts 2 trailer came out and I wanted to talk about that. So now we're starting Chamber of Secrets and I will do a little bit of a recap for the first book in a second, but I'm not going to do it at the beginning right now because it is mentioned in the chapter and I will talk about that when I get to that part of my notes. I also do want to mention that I'm really excited for this book. Not only, obviously, I'm excited for all the books. Chamber of Secrets is not my favorite Harry Potter book or movie, but I do love both the book and movie nonetheless, just like I do with the entire series. But I do want to bring up the fact that I'm doing Chamber of Secrets right now because obviously this podcast name is called The Heirs of Slytherin. And I chose that name because I am part of Slytherin house and the heir is Slytherin which we'll get to chapters later in this book that's where the podcast title comes from so it's kind of a play on words heiress of Slytherin not heir heir is because I'm a girl so I just wanted to mention that's kind of cool that I'm now on this book and that's where I got the name from was this book all right so this book starts out with yelling Harry is being yelled at by his uncle Vernon because Hedwig has been trapped in her cage. So Hedwig is getting restless. She hasn't been let out of her cage. She is just in there. She can't spread her wings. And Harry is saying that she's bored. She's used to flying around outside. He's even saying like, can I just let her out at night? Uncle Vernon is not having that. He says he knows what will happen if the owl is let out. He doesn't want Harry to be sending letters to his friends. So a reminder, Harry goes to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and Dudley goes to Smelting. So that's also where Uncle Vernon went. They're having breakfast and Dudley, you know, he's described as a very large boy. This sentence actually says Dudley, who was so large, his bottom drooped over either side of the kitchen chair. He is telling Harry to pass the frying pan because he wants more bacon. Harry tells him, you've forgotten the magic word. And just this whole sentence, like, it just set them all off. Dudley fell out of his chair. 
apparently with a crash that shook the whole kitchen. That's what is written here in the book. And then Mrs. Dursley, that's Harry's aunt, his mom's sister, Petunia. She gives like a little scream and Mr. Dursley just jumps up screaming at Harry immediately. And Harry was like, no, I meant please. Like, I didn't mean anything else. And Vernon's bellowing at him, all caps, just cutting him off, saying he's threatening him and he's not going to tolerate that abnormality, anything like that. And Harry did not think anything of it when he said it. But as soon as he said it, he did know. I just think it's so funny. He has this effect over them where they're just terrified of him, but they're still mean to him, which they shouldn't be. But I don't blame Harry at all for kind of trying to use that to his advantage sometimes. But yeah, magic word is just please. And Dudley does not know that word because he doesn't have any manners because he's a terrible little kid. So, you know, Harry just kind of has to deal with it and like say, all right, can't really do anything about it because that's his home for now. It's not really his home, but he has to live there during the summer. Hogwarts is, is his real home. So now I will talk a little bit about a recap since the author kind of gives us like two pages of it here. So I will talk about that a little bit. Basically, Harry found out he was a wizard last year. And not only any wizard, he was a famous wizard because he's the only one to have ever survived the killing curse. And he did it when he was only a year and three months old. So Voldemort, the most powerful dark wizard of all time, tried to kill him. And he did succeed in killing his parents that night. And he also killed many others throughout the years. And Harry just misses going to school. Harry goes to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, like I mentioned. He misses everything. He misses the castle, the food, secret passageways, the magic, ghosts, his friends, Quidditch. He doesn't miss Snape, the potions master. I don't think most people do. But he really does miss, like, everything else. He misses his, like four-poster bed and his dormitory he misses Hagrid Hermione Ron like he misses all of that and all of his books like his wand his school robes cauldron his broomstick everything was locked underneath the stairs by Uncle Vernon and I think it's really interesting too there's some rhetorical questions here what did the Dursleys care if Harry lost his place on the house Quidditch team because he hadn't practiced all summer and you know what that's so true because other kids most other wizarding school children, it's very likely that they live in wizarding communities. If they're muggle-born, they're not, they don't live in wizarding communities or anything like that. But if they have at least one magical parent, it's probably likely that they do live in a wizarding neighborhood or community or something like that. And they can practice Quidditch. Like the Weasleys, they have like all that open space and everything outside. And they don't have neighbors that are gonna see them and everything and they also are in a much more I guess magical area than Surrey would ever be like where Harry lives so I think that's an interesting question because yeah that's true Harry isn't practicing Quidditch like what if he it's not because he doesn't want to it's because he's not allowed to he can't practice his flying he can't do anything like that so definitely a bummer and yeah if you're like a student athlete or just an athlete in general if you're not practicing your sport Sometimes it's like riding a bike. You can go back to it and it's going to be, you know, not so bad. But other times if you're not staying in shape or you're staying in shape, but you're not actually doing your fundamental skills for the sport or things to help you in that sport, you're going to kind of lose some skill or, you know, obviously it doesn't happen with Harry. He gets lucky to where it doesn't. 
but that's not the case for everybody. So it is an interesting question and it's very logical that this was what Harry was worrying about. The next rhetorical question here, what was it to the Dursleys if Harry went back to school without any of his homework done? That's true. He has to do like some summer work, you know, not fun, but he also should be kind of practicing up on some spells, learning some things, you know, but the Dursleys who are muggles, no drop of magical blood in their veins. They don't want anything to do with magic. They just don't want it. So yeah, they're not going to let him read his books because they're going to think he's going to be doing spells and doing stuff to them, which I get from like their point of view, even though it's ridiculous. But even if Harry wasn't some very famous wizard who would have to save the wizarding world one day, even though he doesn't know that right now, he doesn't know it for a few years, even if he was just some like random wizarding student, still like you're going to want to practice your skills. And if you can't do magic outside of school, then how else are you going to be learning? Are you just going to try to remember all your lectures if you're not reading over your notes, over your books, things like that. So I really understand it. And I understand Harry's frustration here. Doesn't even have a daily profit, which is the newspaper for Wizarding World in London, at least. So everything that's going on, even in the outside world, he has no current events because he isn't getting any letters from his friends. So... Yeah, Dursley's not great people for not allowing him to just be a wizard. So it is shaping up to be a pretty terrible summer. It has been so far, and it looks like it's still going to be that way. Uncle Vernon even padlocked Harry's owl, Hedwig. Like, she's not... It's not like her cage is just closed, and Harry just isn't opening it. He can't. It's padlocked. So it's really rough for Harry and for Hedwig. And then also we get another description of Harry, what he looks like, small, skinny, brilliant green eyes, jet black hair that's always messy, which we learn later he looks just like his dad. We actually learned it in the first book, but it keeps coming up like throughout the series. Characters keep mentioning it. Harry also has that lightning bolt shaped scar, which was so unusual, even for a wizard. And it was why it's where Voldemort hit him with the killing curse that didn't work. So that was 11 years ago. And then we have another... Recap of how Harry survived a curse on a greatest dark sorcerer of all time, Voldemort. Most witches are still scared to speak his name, witches and wizards. So then we learned that that's why Harry was brought up by his family. That was the only family he had left and his parents were dead from Voldemort's curse. So a year ago, Harry had no idea. Actually, exactly a year ago because it's Harry's birthday today and that's when he found out he was a wizard. So up until a year ago, he had no idea and then Hagrid told him the story. He kind of learned some more. There was the whole Sorcerer's Stone thing last year. Voldemort was trying to come back, use the stone to come back to kill Harry, you know, and it's to gain power. So just kind of that info there was like a little recap. It's kind of like in every book, um, talking about the previous book so that you don't forget, I guess. So today is Harry's birthday. He's turning 12. He didn't have really any high hopes at all that the Dursleys would remember or do anything for him because they'd never even given him a real present. They never even given him like a cake or anything like that, but they just completely ignore it. Just straight up don't acknowledge that it's his birthday today. And it is an important day, but not for that reason for the Dursleys. So Uncle Vernon works for a drilling company and there's some builder coming over. He's like a really rich builder. Him and his wife are coming to dinner at the Dursley's house and Uncle Vernon is hoping to get a huge order from him for the drills, for building and all of that. So Vernon is very anxious about this and he wants everything to go well and perfectly. And to him, that means Harry is hiding in his room, making no noise, pretending that he doesn't exist. 
So Uncle Vernon is kind of going over the script, going over what he wants to happen. When the builder and his wife come over, they're the Masons. So Dudley, you know, pretending to be a good boy and Aunt Petunia like obsessing over him. And Harry's just, you know, having a rough day. It's shaping up to be a really bad day. The Masons are coming over for dinner at 8 o'clock. To me, that's a super late dinner. Obviously, schedules play a part in what time you eat dinner and things like that. But at least for the book, that's a late dinner. And, you know, it's Harry's birthday. The Dursleys are ignoring it. And they do know. Dudley for sure knows. And I believe that Harry's aunt and uncle know as well. They're just choosing to ignore it because they're rude. And Dudley chooses to taunt Harry about it and tease him. He knows that Harry's really lonely and he hasn't gotten any letters from his friends. So Dudley's like, yeah, I know what today is. You have no cards. Don't you have any friends at that school of yours? Things like that. And I think it's so funny that Harry looks at him and tells him, jiggery pokery, hocus pocus, squiggly wiggly. That's the quote from the book. So Harry's just saying like words, just random words that he knows that Dudley will think are a spell that are he's doing magic on him. So I just think that's so funny. And I think it's really funny that Harry says it in a fierce voice. That's what the author wrote. And he sells it, you know, and Harry has this moment of fun and he pays for it. He has to clean all day long, just the entire house outside, just doing a lot of chores. So, you know, Harry is lonely. He's having terrible birthday that's why this chapter is called the worst birthday and it's just a lot he's even thinking like wow i might have even like i might even be glad if i were to see like draco malfoy his arch enemy just so he knows it hadn't been a dream that's his thought process really mrs ron hermione even has thought about like using magic to unlock hedwig out of her cage so that she can send letters to them but he knows that he'll get in huge trouble because underage wizards aren't allowed to use magic, you know. So then we get into like a whole other little paragraph of a summary and it's saying like, not that his whole year at Hogwarts have been fun. And it talks about him coming face to face with Voldemort. And yeah, he slips through Voldemort's clutches for a second time. And it happens again <laughs> later on, almost every book. Um, but, you know. Harry still kind of wakes up in the middle of the night sometimes, wondering where Voldemort is now, remembering what his face looked like, those eyes. So it's scary. You know, he has some of these things um, that he's thinking about. Also, I do want to mention, next chapter, we are introduced to Dobby, and I'll talk about that later this episode. But I do want to mention that Harry actually sees Dobby right now when he's outside. He's just staring absentmindedly into the hedge, and the hedge is staring back. So it's two enormous green eyes that appeared like in the leaves and that's Dobby. So Harry doesn't get a chance to like really look at it because that's when Dudley comes up to him and the eyes blink and vanish. So yeah, Dudley's kind of watching Harry. So really funny that he sees him right now. And this is just before, this is when Dudley walks up to him and tells him like he knows what day it is. It's your birthday, blah, 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 that whole thing. But Harry does see Dudley or sorry, Dobby briefly for a moment there. So when Harry does have his little fun and says that fake spell to Dudley or starts to say it and Dudley thinks he just kind of gets his mom in time, Harry actually has to duck a heavy blow with a frying pan. That's insane. A frying pan can knock you out. I mean, I automatically thought of Tangled, like Rapunzel using the frying pan. That's what I thought of. That could knock you out and that could hurt and I could leave some injuries for sure. So... 
and petunia like they're very abusive toward terry but like a frying pan that's insane like maybe that's like the one thing she had in her hand or it was the only thing nearby but still that's a bit too much so that's when petunia just gives him all these chores to do he doesn't finish until half past seven so it's 7 30 right now the masons are coming for dinner at eight o'clock his birthday dinner is two slices of bread and a lump of cheese so I'll have you guys know this isn't like gourmet cheese and like really good bread because sometimes just cheese and bread, if you get some good ones, it could be delicious. This is not this. This is probably like old, like the ends of a loaf of bread, like the slices, you know, on loaf of bread, like the end where it's like all crust on the back. I don't know what it's called. It's probably that. Like I'm telling you, it's not good. It's not good bread and it's not good cheese. Like a lump of cheese is probably like old and they were just trying to get rid of it or something. So for Harry, that's his birthday dinner, and he is rushed into his room because the guests are about to arrive, and the Dursleys don't want him out there, and when he walks into his room, someone is already there, and it happens to be Dobby, so that is the end of chapter one. Wasn't much to, like, talk about in terms of, like, foreshadowing and, like, extra information and stuff like that because there really wasn't a lot of spells, a lot of new knowledge, or a lot of Easter eggs or things like that. The only thing really was Dobby, you know, Harry seeing him there for the first time, just his eyes at least. So that was about it for chapter one. Now I am going to talk about chapter two, and this one is called Dobby's Warning. So Harry walking into his room, seeing this creature he's never seen before, house elf. You know, house elf would probably be really scary looking if you had it, if you're seeing it like in person for the first time. So, you know, Harry manages not to shout out, but he was like really close to it, but he's not a Gryffindor for nothing. You know, he's brave. Me, I probably would have screamed like out of fear. So it's a little creature. It's a house elf. That's what Dobby is. Um, he's sitting on the bed. He has large bat-like ears and bulging green eyes the size of tennis balls. And that's how Harry recognizes like, oh, I saw your eyes like earlier this morning. So Harry can now hear Dudley downstairs and he, there he's practicing his lines or he's actually reciting the line that he practiced earlier about taking Mr. and Mrs. Mason's coats. So then this creature that was on Harry's bed when he walked in slips off the bed and bows so low because he has a really long thin nose. It like touches the carpet. So Harry's kind of still looking at him and, at him and notices that He's not even wearing clothes. He's wearing an old pillowcase. It has rips for arm and leg holes. So Harry's like, oh, hi, hello, because he's nervous. And the creature is has a really high-pitched voice. And I love the way Toby Jones uh, plays Dobby. He's the voice of Dobby in the Harry Potter series. And he does a great job. I love the voice he does for him. And he's saying, like, Harry Potter, so long has Dobby wanted to meet you, sir. He's saying it's such an honor. And... He wants to ask, like, what are you? But he thinks it might be too rude. So instead, he says, who are you? So Dobby tells him I'm Dobby, just Dobby, Dobby the house elf. It's really not a good time for Harry to have a house elf in his bedroom. And he even tells him that in the movie. I love the way Dan Radcliffe delivers that line. But, you know, he's really just confused, not in the mood, not the time for it. And he's now telling him like Dobby the house self that's what this creature is telling him he is so I want to take this time to talk a little bit about house elves because Dobby tells them a little bit right now such as that they are like bound to their masters 
And if he does anything that goes against their orders, he has to punish himself. He has to keep their secrets for them, do everything for them. And Dobby is not doing that right now. He's disobeying his masters by coming to see Harry. So he knows he's going to have to really punish himself later. And he's like conditioned to do that as all house elves are because they like to work and they like to do a good job and they like to serve their masters and things like that. And they feel sick and like really bad and guilty and stuff if they do something wrong. And Dobby is not different than that. He does feel really bad and guilty and feels like he has to punish himself. However, he does not like to work. He does not like to serve masters. So Dobby is honestly like the only house self that thinks like that. Even like in a few years, like with in the later books, other house selves are like, yeah, Dobby's like a weirdo. We don't think like him. We don't want to be free. Dobby wants to be free. These other house selves do not. Dobby also has really bad masters. Spoiler alert, he serves the Malfoy family. We don't find that out until the end of this book, but he does serve the Malfoy family. So Dobby and all house selves in general, they're not looked at as equals by wizards. Some wizards do, like Dumbledore. He is very kind to them. But also, he doesn't, they're not really seen as equals. So Harry asks him to sit down, and Dobby is like, right away, he is dispersed into tears. And he's being very loud, too. And Harry's like, oh, I don't mean to offend you. And Dobby's saying, like, I'm not offended, but I've never been asked to sit down by a wizard like an equal. So he's very emotional, very loud, coughing, hiccuping. Harry describes him as looking like a very large and ugly doll, but he's just very fascinated by Harry and has a lot of, like, admiration for him. So, yeah. Now I'll talk a little bit more about house selves since we don't get all the info in this chapter, but we do throughout the series. So, house elves are enslaved, and they always keep their secrets and their silence, and they uphold family honor, never speak ill of them. They're not supposed to. So, you know, Dobby here doing this, he is disrespecting them. You know, not really, I don't think. But in his mind and in his family's mind, the one, the family that he serves, that's what he's doing. So, they're not supposed to speak ill of them. Small humanoid creatures, um, usually they belong to very wealthy wizarding families. So, the Malfoys, um, the Blacks also have a house elf. So they do, you know, all types of tasks for them. Um, it could be menial tasks, cleaning, cooking, or it could be really big tasks doing like whatever, like keeping secrets, just other big things for them. For instance, Voldemort ends up needing a house self. Um, well, actually, this is Chamber of Secrets and Voldemort used a house self like years before this, but Harry doesn't find this out until the last book. And he used Creature, the house elf, which was part of the black family. Or he was he served the black family. So they house elves are usually apparently very happy with their arrangement. And they consider it to be a matter of pride that they serve faithfully and that they don't betray their families. Dobby, I'm telling you again, Dobby is like an outlier. He's not like other house elves. So we know that they're short, fat like ears, really big eyes. And it's kind of difficult for most humans to tell the difference between a male and a female house elf. They all have squeaky voices. Um, they don't wear clothing. Um, it would be considered shameful to do so. So that's why they cover themselves with the pillowcases, um, towels, tea cozies, things like that. And if they are given an article of clothing, it breaks the enslavement and a house elf is free. 
And for most house elves, this is like the worst insult and that they're just shamed forever. So we do see a house elf who gets very upset and kind of lets herself go, starts drinking a lot. Like this honestly happens in Goblet of Fire. We see a house elf called Winky that this happens to later. Even Dobby's like, you're fine, like you're free. And she's just not having it. Dobby, however, he does like to be free. And Harry is the one that frees him later in this book. Spoiler alert. So we also find out later on that there are hundreds of house elves working in Hogwarts. That's the largest number in any dwelling of Britain. They clean. Um, they lay the fires, laundry, light the lamps. They do just a lot of stuff. They do the cooking. Um, they create really wonderful meals in the kitchen. And they're always happy to help students and things like that. Also, I do want to mention earlier, I think I did say Dobby doesn't like to work. I meant to say Dobby does like to work, but he doesn't like to work for the Malfoys. <laughs> so his Malfoys are really terrible, um, like people. So he doesn't like working for them or being enslaved to them. But they have really important roles. Um, so they see and hear things, you know, keep those secrets. Also, elves have really powerful magic. They don't require wands. They don't actually like say spells, but they can use really, really powerful magic um, and then they use this information too, like they can do evil, they can do bad, they can do good. Dobby, of course, had the more enlightened view than most. Harry's the one who frees him by giving him a sock later on. He actually gives, he tricks Lucius Malfoy into giving him the sock. But later on, Dobby goes to work at Hogwarts and he's paid. Dumbledore pays Dobby for his work. Dumbledore has no problem doing that. And Dobby likes to work and he likes to earn the money for it. And Dumbledore actually offers him more money than Dobby expects. And Dobby rejects it. He's like, no, I'll work for less money. Some of the like magic that Dobby and other house elves can do, for example, later on in this book, we learn that Dobby used his magic to enchant a bludger, to close the platform nine and three quarters where you get onto the Hogwarts Express to go to Hogwarts interfered with owl post somehow um knocked lucius malfoy down a flight of stairs house elves also have some sort of form of apparition like where the wizards and witches they um you know you apparate separate you're like appearing and disappearing at different places it's not necessarily like invisibility like just disappearing at will like house elves can but it's some sort of form of apparition where they're in one place and then they are in another when they will their body to go there so either way it's still really powerful but if they're when they're enslaved they're only using their magic for their work for their mundane work whether it's cleaning you know things like that Dobby is the only one once again that does it for other things so we also do see some house elves in Fantastic Beast series so we've seen some in the first and second movie um, honestly, just doing kind of the same things you would expect them to do, however they're enslaved to, just doing their work. Um, honestly, though, most of them are happy to do it. Dobby is the only one, <laughs> once again. But we kind of see them in different settings here, too. We see some working in, like, a bar, like an underground type of mobster little place like that. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see a different side of them. So, most wizards and witches know that house elves really like to be enslaved they don't like to be enslaved that's the wrong word but they like to work and they like to be part of you know bound to a master to a family whatever they don't want to be freed so 
Hermione is the one who thinks that house elves want to be freed and she thinks that they should be. So she, in Goblet of Fire, she starts the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare, SPEW for short, even though Ron is like spew. No, she means SPEW. Hermione founds it in 1994 in Goblet of Fire and she just believes that there's a lot of injustice towards house elves. And so when she finds founds the society, she appoints Ron as treasurer and Harry as secretary. And they just don't say no to her because it's Hermione. They're just like, okay, let's just go along with it. Um, a few people join, like Neville joins. But Fred and George, they refuse. Hagrid refuse because they're telling her, Hermione, they like to work. They like the way things are for them. Like, why are we going to change it? So Hermione, you know, her... Little society doesn't really catch on amongst the Hogwarts students, but she's determined, she's persistent, and she actually starts to knit hats and socks, and she starts leaving them lying around Gryffindor Tower, hoping that some unsuspecting house elf who's cleaning will, like, move, like, um, a newspaper, move a book, or move a blanket or something, and they'll accidentally pick up, like, the hat or the sock or whatever that she knits. And then they'll be free and she's hoping to act to free them. And she thinks that they're going to like that. But I think it's like Ron or Harry. I don't know who tells her exactly. But they're telling her, Hermione, imagine they pick it up on accident and then they're freed. And they just live the rest of their life like Winky. They become, you know, really sad. Like that could really scare an owl. You pick it up and then you're like, wait, who did this? I'm freed. Like that's going to terrify them. They're not all Dobby. And that's what Hermione doesn't always realize. So... Once the elves actually start discover those hidden garments too, they're really deeply offended and they just don't clean Gryffindor Tower anymore because they're like, this is where it's happening. We're not going to clean it anymore. So Dobby's the one that cleans it, doing all of the cleaning by himself because he's already free. He doesn't care. He likes clothes. He wears a bunch of them at once. He wears like seven hats at once. So we even know that Hermione later on, she does um, become Minister of Magic and Eventually, she does work to improve the lives of house elves and other creatures, too. Um, her post-Hogwarts career doesn't start with Minister of Magic, but she does work for the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. So that's where she's really good at improving the lives of house elves and things like that. So, you know, she's a pretty progressive voice in the Wizarding World, but... A lot of people just don't agree with her, the way she goes about things, doing the right things for the wrong reasons, wrong things for the right reasons, whichever way you want to see it, honestly. You know, I love Hermione, but I actually kind of agree with the people who think this is kind of wrong. She means well, but they really don't like it. And she thinks that she's like, they're trained to think, like they're born thinking that they like to work and they need to and they are going to be ashamed if they're freed, but that's not really the case because they don't think that way. I mean, yeah, Dobby is special. He's different. He kind of agrees with Hermione, but at the same time, like that's not, he doesn't speak for all house elves. That's not the general view of all of them. So kind of wrong of Hermione to do the whole leaving the hats and gloves and stuff around because, you know, that's not going to be good for a house elf. So basically, in Hermione's head, the absolute best thing that could ever happen for house elves is for them to be freed. And in a house elf's head, that's the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to them, to give you some perspective. 
So not to Davi, of course, but every other house elf, they do not want that at all. And so, you know, Davi just kind of explains to Harry that house elves must be set free with the clothing and that he'll serve this family until he dies. I think it's so funny that Harry says, and I thought I had it bad staying here for another four weeks. Like, Harry, you do still have it bad, but it's just funny that he said that. It reminds me of the Sorcerer's Stone movie where Harry is telling Ron Hermione that he saw Voldemort that night, that he, he thinks he's coming back to kill him. And Ron tells him, and to think, I've been worried about my potions final. Still true, still valid, Ron, and still valid, Harry. You guys still have it bad, but, you know, this is Dobby's life here, too, and it's it's not fun for him. He's he, He's not having a good time at all. So I think that's some pretty good insight to how selves and how they think and how bad some of them have it, especially Dobby. Because if your master's, the family that you serve is really bad, then you're not going to be having fun. You're not going to really enjoy the work you do for them. So yes, Harry telling him, and I thought I had a bad thing here for another four weeks. And he even says that this makes a Dursley sound almost human. Like, can anyone help you? Can I? And then right away, Dobby just starts sobbing, like just gratitude again. And Harry's telling him, like, please, please be quiet. The Dursleys can't know you're here. They can't hear anything. Like, I just can't deal with this. Um, if I get in trouble, like, he just, it's not going to be good. So, Davi is just full of so much gratitude. And he even tells him, Davi has heard of your greatness, sir. But of your goodness, Davi never knew. And then Harry's like, well, I'm not, I don't know what you've heard about my greatness, but it's a load of rubbish. Like, I'm not even the top of my year at Hogwarts. That's Hermione. And then right away, he just stops talking because, this is what the quote is, because thinking about Hermione was painful. That's so sad to me. Like, he misses her so much. He misses Ron a lot, too, because even Harry, like, later on, like, Dobby mentions he who must not be named. And Harry's like, Voldemort? And then Dobby's like, no, don't speak the name. And he's like, sorry, I know lots of people don't like it, my friend Ron. And then once again, it says... Thinking about Ron was painful too. So in my notes, I like put a sad face by this because it is sad, you know? He misses his friends. He doesn't think they miss him. And he really just can't contact them. So, you know, I just think it's really sad, especially like today on his birthday. The loneliness is just hitting him a little bit harder. And now Dobby's here. He's reminded of magic. He's reminded of Hogwarts again and just all this stuff. Lots of emotions for... Harry and for Dobby, but Dobby's the one that's wailing, not Harry. So Dobby heard that Harry met Voldemort a second time just a few weeks ago and that Harry escaped yet again. So this, you know, Harry's like, yeah, that's true. Dobby again crying like he just is saying Harry's so brave, so valiant, and he's just like in awe of him. However, Dobby doesn't say Voldemort, you know, he doesn't like the name. Dobby doesn't even say he who must not be named in this sentence. He says the Dark Lord. He says Dobby heard tell that Harry Potter met the Dark Lord for a second time just weeks ago. So this is a big hint. And this isn't a hint until later on in the series. So it's kind of like people are like, is this even really a hint? Because we don't know about this yet. But the Death Eaters are the ones who call Voldemort the Dark Lord. They call him my Lord, you know? He's the Dark Lord when they're speaking about him, like amongst each other. They don't say Voldemort. They don't say he who must not be named when they're just talking amongst their friends, the Death Eaters. They say Dark Lord. And that's a big hint. So it's something that Harry even points out about Snape years later. He tells like Snape to his face, I only hear Death Eaters calling him the Dark Lord because Snape keeps referring to him as the Dark Lord. 
So Dobby, who serves the Malfoy family, you know, Lucius Narcissa and later Draco, Death Eaters. So it's really interesting that this is like an Easter egg. This is a really big hint, even though you don't really know about it yet. This is how Dobby is constantly hearing about him being referred to because that's who, how his masters refer to him, the Dark Lord. So after Harry kind of calms him down again, Dobby starts to tell Harry the purpose of his visit. He tells him that he came to tell Harry to not return to Hogwarts this year. He's saying that he must not go back to Hogwarts because there is a plot to make terrible things happen at Hogwarts. And Dobby is telling Harry he's known about it for months and he doesn't want Harry to put himself in danger. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what exactly Dobby's referring to and how he knows. He knows because he serves the Malfoy family and Lucius probably knows all that. He has the diary. He has Tom Riddle's diary. He doesn't know it's a horcrux, but he knows that his the master he serves, the Dark Lord, gave him that diary to hold on to, to keep safe. And the Ministry of Magic is doing a lot of raids. They're looking for dark objects and things like that. So Lucius was one of the ones that said he wasn't, didn't actually serve the Dark Lord. And he can have incriminating evidence such as the diary, you know, showing up in his house and having the Ministry of Magic take that and questioning and all that stuff. So Dobby must know that he's like planning to get rid of it. And Dobby knows that with it, the Chamber of Secrets will be opened. So Dobby knows that this is going to be very dangerous for all Hogwarts students, but it's going to be very dangerous, especially for Harry. Um, because, you know, he is the target of Voldemort's plots, you know, all his evil things and stuff like that. And Dobby knows that his family serves Voldemort, even though he's not really around right now. Dobby knows that they still have really bad intentions and he wants to stop Harry from going. So that's how Dobby knows. He knows because he serves the Malfoy family and that's why he's trying to stop him from going to Hogwarts. Um, so... Dobby also can't really explicitly tell him all that. He doesn't tell him who his family is that he serves. He doesn't tell him who his master is or anything like that. He doesn't tell him that the chamber will be opened. But he is telling him that he can't go back and just not elaborate on it fully. And Harry wants to know more. He's like, okay, who's plotting these things? Is it Voldemort? He actually doesn't say Voldemort all the way. He says, like, well, stops himself and it's like, okay, sorry. Does it have to do with you-know-who? Like, you could just shake or nod your head. And Dobby slowly shakes his head, and he says, Not, not he who must not be named, sir. So, this is Dobby shaking his head to Harry's question, like, it ha This hasn't got anything to do with Voldemort, has it? But he's telling him it's not, not he who must not be named. So, this is him saying it's not, not Voldemort. So it's like he's using a double negative and basically telling Harry it is Voldemort, but it's not, not him. Harry just isn't really understanding it. <laughs> so it's so funny that right now the author says, but Dobby's eyes were wide and he seemed to be trying to give Harry a hint. Harry, however, was completely lost. So Harry does not understand this hint. He doesn't understand that it is Voldemort that Dobby is like talking about. So Harry, being completely lost, says... He hasn't got a brother, has he? Then Harry, Dobby shakes his head, his eyes just like wider than ever. Because it's just like a humor thing. Like, well, does he have a brother? Like something I don't know about? And because 
Harry's like, well, who else could, who else would it be? Like, you know, doing all these evil things, his death eaters, like Harry does not know. So Dobby tries to give him a clue. Doesn't really do it properly. (laughs) At least Harry doesn't really catch on. So Harry doesn't have somebody else in mind that Dobby could be referring to, but either way, Harry's lost. He's not catching on. And he does tell Dobby, well, like, I can't think of who else would have a chance of making horrible things happen at Hogwarts because Dumbledore's there. Like, you know, Dumbledore, don't you? Dobby's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Like, greatest headmaster Hogwarts has ever had. Um, his power rivals those of he who was not be named at the height of his strength. So this means Dumbledore is a very great wizard. So, but Dobby also tells Harry, but there are powers that Dumbledore doesn't have, like powers that no decent wizard has. Who's a decent wizard? Or sorry, who's not a decent wizard? Voldemort, you know? So Dobby's really trying to tell Harry, but he's just not telling him explicitly and Harry's not catching on. So once again, Dobby went against the wishes of his master. So he grabs Harry's lamp and starts beating himself with it and screaming. Like it says ear splitting yelps. So there's a silence downstairs. And Harry's like, oh no. He hears like Uncle Vernon like kind of running madly up the stairs He's like calling downstairs. Oh, Dudley must have left his television on again. So Harry right away tells Dobby, quick, like go into the closet. And he like kind of takes him and stuffs him into the closet before just like a second before his uncle Vernon walks into the room. And Vernon threatens Harry, telling him one more sounding a wish he'll never been born. So obviously Vernon thinks that Harry's the one doing this and Harry's not. But that's what Vernon thinks. And so... Harry's telling Dobby, like, once Vernon leaves the room, like, you see what it's like for me here? Like, this is why I have to go back to Hogwarts. It's the only place that I have, well, I think I have friends. And Dobby tells him in a sly voice, friends who don't even write to Harry Potter. And Dobby refers to Harry as Harry Potter, just so you guys know. And he refers to himself as Dobby. That's why I'm kind of saying it like that. That's the quote. Friends who don't even write to Harry Potter. And Harry's like, okay. How do you know about that? And Dobby tells him, like, Harry Potter mustn't be angry with Dobby. Dobby was doing it for the best. And Harry's like, okay, have you been stopping my letters? And Dobby pulls out, like, a really thick wad of envelopes from inside his pillowcase. And it's all Harry's letters. And he kind of has it out of Harry's reach. But Harry is absolutely furious. He looks kind of sees it from like a distance and he can see Hermione's neat handwriting. He sees Ron's handwriting and he even sees like a little scribble that looked like it was from Hogwarts gamekeeper Hagrid, his other friend. Dobby's telling him like, you shouldn't be angry. Dobby's logic was that if Harry thought that his friends had forgotten him, he would think he had no friends at Hogwarts and he wouldn't want to go back to school. Harry just wasn't even listening at that point. He was so furious. He makes a grab for the letters. But Dobby like jumps out of reach and Dobby tells him that if you want these letters then you need to give me your word that you're not going to go back to Hogwarts. You won't return because it's a danger you shouldn't face. Like just say you won't go back. Harry tells him no. Then give me my letters. (laughs) Um, If I was Harry, I would have just been like, yes, I won't go back, but still give me the letters and then I would still go back. Dobby's not doing an unbreakable vow with him. So it's not like if Harry does go back to Hogwarts, he'll die. Um, just even though Dobby thinks he will, but he's not actually doing a magic where you make a promise, you make a vow and you break it, you die. That's not what's happening here. So I think it would have been really interesting if house cells were able to do that without 
the way wizards do it with like linking their arms together and doing a certain spell but who knows if they can we don't know everything yet um from canon because we have more info on fantastic beasts but either way harry tells him in a very angry voice no give me my give me back my letters so or give them to me because not give them back he never had them in the first place because dobby stole them so dobby just like right away leaves the bedroom door or sorry leaves the bedroom through the door and then sprints down the stairs so before i talk about what happens next i want to know what exactly was happening with those letters how dobby intercepted them and the reason i think about this when i reread chamber of secrets is because i saw a twitter post years ago like um those tumblr like screenshot post things and it was from a harry potter account and it was somebody asking how did dobby stop the letters how did he intercept them was he just like waiting in transit for the owls who had harry's like letters with like harry's name on the envelope and somehow jumping them and just attacking them and taking the letters and like fighting wrestling them for it like how exactly was this happening how was dobby taking these letters so i think it's just really funny that to imagine dobby kind of like waiting in a tree and then seeing like the owl fly by the automatically like apparating like onto the owl taking the letter disappearing that kind of thing i think that's just hilarious however that's probably not what happened i think a more logical explanation is obviously how selves have par powerful magic and dobby used his magic to take the letters now this might be the first time ever in history that this has happened because dobby is like the only house self that we know of that is the way he is wants to be free you know purposefully defying the family he works for and not keeping their secrets for them you know telling harry that's warning him about what's going to happen at hogwarts or saying that something's going to happen at hogwarts you know davi is doing all his duties to the malfoys in terms of cooking cleaning whatever it is but he's also leaving the house multiple times watching harry um taking his letters intercepting the letters and going like tonight and warning him and speaking to him like that's not what we're supposed to do but that is what dobby is doing and because he's like the only house elf like this it's very possible that this is the first time ever in history that house elf magic is being used to intercept letters or that house elf magic is being used in the way dobby is using it he's using his magic probably to like the fullest of his abilities some that house elves probably have never explored before for instance finding harry where he lives i'm not really sure how he did that i mean maybe he kind of broke into the ministry of magic and looked for like a record of where students lived or where magical people lived or i don't even know if the ministry fully has that maybe hogwarts had and he went to go look for it in dumbledore's office and dumbledore knew about it but let him because that's the kind of person dumbledore is or um you know not really sure exactly how he found it but they do have their own branch of magic. I really wish it was explained as much as wand lore is. So hopefully the author gives us some information about that at some point in the future. But there's a few different possibilities um, that we know or that might be true. So hopefully one day we learn exactly how Dobby did find Harry. And I just want to take this moment too to give a shout out to Dobby. I really appreciate him. Like, do you know how amazing of a person or not a person amazing of a house self or just the heart that Dobby has like he's really putting himself in danger just to warn Harry and he's you know doing the right things for the wrong or sorry the wrong things for the right reasons I mean 
intercepting the letters, the hair, the bludger going after Harry later in the book. Also later in the book too, Harry not being able to get onto the platform. You know, he's doing these things because he wants to try to help Harry to try to save him. Dobby absolutely adores Harry. He looks up to him. He thinks he's just amazing and he only sees the best in Harry. So this is, I just want to give, I just want to appreciate Dobby for a second because this is amazing. He's really just risking his life and he knows that if he got caught by the Malfoys, oh my goodness gracious, I don't even want to think about what they would do to him if they found out. So I really appreciate Dobby here and I think he's just amazing. He's one of my favorite characters. We don't see him much in the movies and it disappoints me every day, but we do see more of him in the books. Um, not every book, but I think in, from here, chap, we don't see him in Prisoner of Ask Man. What we do in the fourth book, the fifth book, the sixth, and the seventh. Unfortunately, we only see him in Chamber of Secrets movie and Deathly Hallows Part 1 movie. So a little sad. And, you know, I'm really, really sad he dies. His death, every time I see it in the movies or in the movie and every time I read it, I get sad. So really appreciate Dobby. And I really appreciate the protection he feels for Harry, like the lengths he feels he needs to go to try to protect him and try to save him. So Dobby, we really appreciate you. And I'm glad for what you've done for Harry in the series, because honestly, you helped him countless times. So thanks, Dobby. And shout out to Dobby for also exploring his magic more, even though he wasn't really doing it like purposefully. He probably just tried something or knew that he could do something with his magic. So just intercepting the letters, finding when they were being sent, getting them before they made it to Harry, you know, just things like that. He is really doing a great job of just exploring his magic and using it. And I think that's really cool. And it opens up so many questions and possibilities for just how self-magic in general, because of how Dobby is using it. He's doing a great job and he always will risk his life for Harry. Like he will do anything for Harry. And I really appreciate Dobby for that. So Back to the chapter, Harry very furious at Dobby for taking his letters. So Dobby like runs out of the room, sprints down the stairs. Harry tries not to make a sound, but he just springs after him. And I think it's really crazy. The book author says he jumps the last six steps. He jumps down the last six steps of stairs <laughs> and he it said landing cat-like on the hall carpet. How are you going to jump down six stairs, like six steps? Maybe I'm going to go stand on my stairs after I record this and see like what the distance would be because stairs are all pretty much the same size. I still feel like that would be kind of far, especially to land cat-like. I mean, yeah, Harry's an athlete, but I was too. Played volleyball and we would have to jump like, but I don't know how cat-like you would land, you know? So I think it's really interesting <laughs> that that's what Harry did jump the last six steps landing cat-like. So I wanted to acknowledge that for a moment. Harry is chasing, like jumps down cat-like and he hears from the dining room, he hears Uncle Vernon like talking about um, American plumbers. He's telling Petunia to tell that funny story about those American plumbers, like to Mr. Mason. I really wonder what <laughs> was wrong with the Americans. So I think it's just funny. And then Harry running up the hall quietly and he feels like his insides like it says that he felt felt his stomach disappear so 
Aunt Petunia's, she made like a, it says masterpiece of a pudding. The mountain of cream and sugared violets was floating up near the ceiling. So it's more of like a pudding cake is what I imagine, but it's like frozen, not frozen, but it's like chilled. The way they do it in the movie looks just kind of like a normal cake. I did look up a picture of a pudding cake and it doesn't really look like what it does in the movie. So I like the way the movie cake looks and how um, Dobby like moves that. So Dobby is using his magic to like float it to hover charm is what we're going to think it is. And I'll tell you why in a second. So it's hovering and Dobby is telling him like Harry Potter must say he's not going back to school. Harry's like, no, please don't drop it. They'll kill me because <laughs> the jerseys are going to be mad, specifically Vernon. And then Dobby's like, you need to say it. And Dobby's like, I can't. And then Dobby says, then Dobby must do it, sir, for Harry Potter's own good. And it falls to the floor with a heart-stopping crash, just splatters everywhere. And with a crack like a whip, Dobby vanishes. So there's screams from the dining room. Um, Vernon is absolutely furious. He rushes into the kitchen to find Harry. Harry's just like shocked, covered uh, with that pudding. And, you know, at first Uncle Vernon's telling the Masons like, oh, just our nephew. He's really disturbed. Strangers upset him. We kind of keep him upstairs. So the Masons, um, you know, seems like they could have maybe been like, okay, weird, but overlooked it. However, a little bit later, a huge barn owl swoops through the dining room and drops the letter on Mrs. Mason's head. And she absolutely screams. It says she screams like a banshee. And she just runs out the house. And Mr. Mason tells the Dursleys that she is mortally afraid of all types of birds. And he thinks, like, is this your type of idea of a joke? Like, what's going on? So, long story short, Mr. Dursley, Vernon Dursley, does not, you know, land that huge deal with the drills with Mr. Mason. So, that letter arrives. That's what the barn owl delivered a letter. And Vernon, absolutely furious, gives the letter to Harry and he tells him to read it. And Harry takes it and I'm going to read the letter. Dear Mr. Potter, we have received intelligence that a hover charm was used at your place of residence this evening at 12 minutes past 9. As you know, underage wizards are not permitted to perform spells outside school. And further spell work on your part may lead to expulsion from said school. Decree for the Reasonable Restriction of Underage Sorcery, 1875, paragraph C. We would also ask you to remember that any magical activity that risks notice by members of the non-magical community, muggles, is a serious offense under Section 13 of the International Confederation of Warlocks Statute of Secrecy. Enjoy your holidays. Yours sincerely, Mafalda Hofkirk. And she, that's what it's signed, and she's from the Improper Use of Magic Office in the Ministry of Magic. So there are a few things I want to talk about in this letter, like the Confederation of Wizards, Mephalda Hopkirk, there's some things that were mentioned. But before I get to that, I do want to talk about Vernon's reaction right now. So Harry kind of finishes reading the letter, looks up and gulps. And if I were Harry, I feel like I would have tried to like make up words. I would have just made up sentences, faked them, something, been like, happy birthday, Harry. Um, we hope you had a great day, something, make sure that when you return to school, don't forget you need this book, some school supply, like, I don't know, something, something, Harry, but, you know, in the moment, it's probably hard to do that, he was just kind of reading what was on the letter, 
Vernon, however, like, oh, you must have forgotten to mention that you weren't allowed to use magic outside of school. Huh. So you forgot to mention it. Slipped your mind. And Harry's like, oh, no. So now Vernon's telling him, like, well, this is news for you. This is news for us. And I have some news for you, too. Like, I'm going to lock you up. You're never going back to that school. And if you try to use magic to get yourself out, you're going to be expelled. And he's just laughing like a maniac, thinking it's absolutely hilarious. And Harry just, he gets drags Harry back, back upstairs. So in Mafalda Hopkirk's letter, she did state hover charm was used. That's what was detected. So hover charm, most likely when guardian leviosa, which is like levitation, you know, kind of, we don't really know the exact incantation, what the ministry thought it was. But Dobby and like other house elves, they don't actually say spells, but that magic was probably most similar to hover charm. It was the exact same thing just without an incantation spoken because house elves don't actually like say spells. So that's what the ministry detected it as. And they detected it as a hover charm that Harry performed because Harry's only known wizard in that area. It couldn't have been somebody else. So they're using that detection as Harry using underage magic and just warning him like, hey, you can't do that because it's against the law and you could be expelled and just things like that. So I want to let you guys know how that magic was detected. It was detected by the trace. The trace, so all cap, not all caps, but the the T and the and the T and trace are capitalized. It's like a proper noun, proper phrase. It is a charm that detects magical ability in, in under 17, so, or around them. So underage wizards aren't allowed to use magic outside of school. And the way that the ministry enforces it and kind of tries to keep an eye on it is by the trace. So if someone does a spell in this area, around this area, then they're going to assume that it was an underage wizard, especially Harry. Nobody else is around. There's no wizards anywhere near him. So it has to be Harry. Like that's what they're assuming. So it's a little bit strange, honestly, because we like think about the Weasleys, right? Mr. and Mrs. Weasley are going to use magic all the time, but they have a bunch of underage kids that can't use magic outside of school. So there's a bunch of spells and stuff going on in their house and around them, their backyard and stuff, because the parents can use the spells, but the kids can't, right? So it's just kind of a thing where it's assumed the ministry expects parents to enforce that rule in their house, even though it's possible that they're not. Like if, if underage kids are using simple spells like a hover charm or something like that, they just kind of assume like, oh, okay, like that might just be the parent. So it's one of those things in Harry Potter that are a little bit interesting, a little bit kind of hard to understand. So because Dobby, he's not an underage wizard. We don't know how old he is, but he's probably older than Harry. I don't know, maybe, but he's not an underage wizard. He's not even a wizard at all. So he's not a human, you know? So it's very likely that it just, it just detects the magic around you not the actual person but since harry was the only wizard in that area that's why they assumed it so the trace does break at 17 you can't put it on an adult and when in a wizarding world once you hit 17 you become an adult so you know very interesting concept in harry potter and it's a really cool magical effect but it's very inconvenient for harry right now at this time also in the Order of the Phoenix, spoiler alert, Harry gets expelled from Hogwarts and it's because there was a trace detected, right? So Harry had to use magic 
and because they were dementors and he used the Patronus charm and the ministry detected that. And so they expelled him like you've already used underage magic before, you know, that whole thing. So Harry actually does use magic in the Prisoner of Azkaban outside of school too. He doesn't get expelled, but that's for a different reason. We'll get into that later on. I don't want to talk about it too much this chapter. But either way, the trace also detects magic that Harry actually does use this time. It's used around him. It's him that's doing it. That's why he gets expelled from Hogwarts in the Order of the Phoenix. So next thing I do want to talk about in this chapter that was mentioned in the letter is the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery. So... For instance, in Or the Phoenix, when Harry does get expelled and he has his hearing with the Ministry of Magic, that's the offense that Harry committed under the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery. So, because wizards aren't supposed to use magic in the muggle world, except in very special circumstances. And the reason that Harry is okay after his hearing is because Dumbledore t- like is telling the Ministry, like all those people, that, yeah... You're not supposed to use magic, but if you're in a life-threatening situation and a muggle is there, then you can use magic because you don't have a choice. You're in a life-threatening situation, and that was the case for Harry. They were in danger with the death, or sorry, with the Dementors. So, the decree for the reasonable restriction of underage sorcery that was written into law in 1875 by the Ministry of Magic. It's a law that forbids the use of underage magic outside of school, and it's enforced by the Improper Use of Magic Office, which is whom Felda Hopkirk is part of. And so that's why she sent the letter. So there's warnings that are given for this violation. Um, they t- they're deliberately given like in full awareness of illegality to do magic of, uh, in a muggle inhabited area and in the presence of a muggle. So more than one offense can cause a student to be expelled from Hogwarts, which happened to Harry. And it causes their wand to be broken. So this didn't happen to Harry. His wand wasn't broken from this. But... Other people, it does happen like Hagrid. He was expelled from Hogwarts. His wand got broken. Other things we don't understand, like um, Newt's commander. He was expelled from Hogwarts. He has a wand still. Not really sure about that. Death Eaters, they go to Azkaban. They still have their wands. Like There's some things that are still a little bit questionable in Harry Potter canon. But that's the violation here. For this instance, for using magic, you can get your wand broken when you get expelled from Hogwarts. So the claws... Seven is what it's called. So seven, again, magical number in Harry Potter. Clause seven for this decree states that magic can be used in front of muggles in exceptional circumstances. So that's when situations where the life of the wizard or witch or the group of people, muggles, whatever it is, when they're present. So, of course, special circumstances. A lot of young wizards, so before you're at Hogwarts, before you're at whichever like school that you go to, magical school, they're exempt from this rule because they don't really have control over the magic that comes out of them. Um, and they don't own a wand. So Harry Potter, when he was like little and his hair would magically grow back really fast, he's not going to get expelled for that because he doesn't go to school yet and he doesn't have a wand. He doesn't know he's a wizard. He can't control it. And this magic is usually not really dangerous to others and it's accidental. So that kind of stuff doesn't matter. But yeah, next year in Prisoner of Aspen, next book during the summer, Harry does almost get in trouble with it again because he blew up his aunt, like made her like ball up like a balloon and watched her float away. The ministry had to like rescue her and modify her memory. Um, Harry knew he would be in trouble that time. So he like ran away from Privet Drive where he lived with his family with the Dursleys. However, Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, just ignored that because 
he was being like protected from the escaped like convict harry's godfather sirius black so because sirius was like escaped from azkaban the wizarding world thought that he was gonna, gonna kill harry or at least most wizards the ones who knew about it so that's the reason harry didn't get expelled for that either but either way interesting type of law and i want to talk about that like do you agree with this law do you think that wizards shouldn't be allowed to use magic outside of the house or sorry outside of hogwarts underage wizards i do and don't i mean i understand you shouldn't be able to just do whatever spells and everything because it could be dangerous and it could be a mess for the ministry to clean up if you hurt people if you hurt yourself if you're not supervised if you're muggle-born your parents aren't going to know how to help you you know so it makes sense but i also think that there should be some sort of way for the students to still practice their magic i'm not really sure what it would be or how but i think it would be cool if there was some sort of way for it so next thing i do want to talk about that's mentioned in the letter is the international confederation of wizards so it's like a wizarding government organization equivalent to like the muggle united nations that's kind of what it is so the leader is called a supreme mugwump so i also want to mention supreme mugwump is albus dumbledore so he is the like head wizard of it so dumbledore a lot of accolades but basically it maintains um a worldwide register of wizarding schools too um there's like a quidditch committee for them as well also the confederation in 1692 they introduced the international statute of secrecy which hid the existence of magic from muggle eyes so this included the concealment of magic magical beasts um the wizards couldn't just like carry a wand on display all the time they could carry it but it couldn't be shown and there's just a lot of um like laws and things that led to a lot of problems so grindelwald kind of had a problem with it too of fantastic beasts so 1790 something called rabbit port's law that was introduced by the United States because there was serious breach of international statute of secrecy from within Makuza. So it required like just complete segregation of wizards from the nomad community. Nomads are what Americans call muggles. So they just totally were like, we cannot have any interaction. You can't marry them. You can't date them. You can't be friends because we cannot risk like our magic and everything, all the information being like let out. So just interesting points of history there i'll probably honestly do an episode at some point in the future too talking about these laws the statute of secrecy um, talking about the confederation of wizards and talking about like the decree for reasonable restriction of underage sorcery that kind of thing the trace because there's a lot of like gray area and just a lot of critical thinking and fun questions and stuff and thoughts so talk about that at some point in the future so Mafalda Hopkirk, the one who sent the letter, first mentioned in this chapter right now. She works in the improper use of magic office, and she is the one responsible for sending those letters regarding underage magic, just like she sent to Harry. Also, in the Deathly Hollows, Hermione uses Polyjuice Potion to impersonate her, break into the Ministry of Magic. Fun fact. So, the improper use of magic office where Mafalda Hopkirk works. It's a division of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, which is a department in the Ministry of Magic. And this particular office deals with incidents of magic being used inappropriately. So mostly cases where muggles are involved. In this case, obviously the muggles Harry lives with know he's a wizard. But 
I mean, if he was around like neighbors or something and he used magic in front of them, then it would be a problem. So, and he can't use it anyways because he's underage. So they deal with like all matters like that. And these offices are located on level two of the Ministry of Magic. And this office also registers wizards who can turn themselves into anime guy. Now, of course, there isn't an accurate registry of that because only seven known wizards anime guy all the rest are legal such as rita skeeter such as all the marauders like harry's dad and his friends so it's really interesting but this is the office that sent harry the warning letters and a chamber of secrets it also sent him that like your expel letter from order of the phoenix and yeah it's an office where dolores umbridge actually started as an intern remember she was the awful pink lady in Order of the Phoenix. So eventually she became the head of this, of this department, like during, or sorry, the head of this office during her rise to power, like within the ministry ranks and just things like that. So a lot of cool terms in that letter that I want to talk about. So, oh no, Harry has now lost his edge. He knows that the Dursleys now know that he can't use magic because if he does, he'll be expelled and they're using that against him. He can no longer kind of have that fear, like him fearing him using magic over them. Not that Harry wants to be feared, but he wanted them to leave him alone. They didn't want him to mess with him and be rude, but now they're already being rude, but now they can really be nasty to him because they know that he can't do anything to him because he can't use magic. So the very next morning, so it's now August 1st because Harry's birthday is July 31st and they return to Hogwarts September 1st. So that's a little bit of a calendar idea for you. Very next morning, Vernon pays somebody to fit bars onto Harry's window so he can't like leave through his window. They also put a cat flap in the bedroom door so that small amounts of food can be pushed inside each day. Small amounts. These aren't even really little snacks probably. Like that's not very good food. And... They only let Harry out to use the bathroom morning and evening. Otherwise, he's just completely locked in his room the entire time. Like, that's very barbaric and abusive to just not even let him out. Harry doesn't even want to be out and around them. He's only going to stay in his room mostly. Like, he's fine if they just keep him in there. But at least let him out to go in the kitchen to go do something. To only let him in the bathroom, to use the bathroom two times a day. Is he not supposed to stay hydrated? He can't even drink water throughout the day because he's going to have to use the bathroom. Like, it's just so ridiculous. And it's it's just disgusting that they're doing this to someone, let alone a family member. And I think it's absolutely disgusting that Petunia Dursley is doing this to her nephew, to her sister's son. I mean, I don't think she gets enough hate. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Like, she does not get enough hate because she is awful. She is up there, I think, in my opinion. She's up there with, like, Umbridge. Yeah, Voldemort's, like, the worst, obviously. Umbridge is terrible. You know what? Petunia Dursley, you're up there with her. Look at how you're treating your son. Or, sorry, look how you're treating your nephew. Look at how you're allowing your son and your husband to treat him. He is, like, he's part, here's your blood because, you know, your sister, your sister died to protect him. Yeah, you really resented her and were jealous of her and you ignored her in the end and you kind of hated her for being cooler than better than you but seriously this is not the way to go about things so and she's allowing this to happen um she's just enabling her husband and son to just be mean to him too and vernon's just relishing in the fact that he can just 
give like put these bars on his window and only let him have like three meals a day tiny meals can barely get out to use the bathroom like i think it's just ridiculous so harry you know lost his edge not knowing they can use the magic rule and i think it's just really bad harry is like honestly thinking that he might starve to death he they even give him for one of his meals they give him stone cold soup so it's like in a can and he's so hungry that he eats it anyways in like a few gulps and it's just cold stone cold soup and he just has to drink the broth and then since hedwig she can't starve either she's not let outside to hunt he just gives her the soggy vegetables at the bottom of it and she doesn't want those either and harry's like sorry but like that's what we have right now i can't do anything else so honestly it's just terrible this is so abusive and barbaric and all around the jerseys are just awful so there are some rhetorical questions supposing he was still alive in another four weeks what would happen if he didn't turn up at hogwarts would someone be sent to see why he hadn't come back? Would they be able to make the Dursleys let him go? Yes, they 100% would. Dumbledore would not. I mean, yeah, Dumbledore allowed Harry to stay there. He kind of had to because of the blood magic. But I 100% know that Dumbledore would have came at least. McGonagall, somebody. I think Dumbledore probably would have done it personally. Because they're not just going to not let Harry come back. Um and then would they be able to stop, make the Dursleys let him go? 100% they would. The Dursleys are not powerful, even in the muggle world. Like, and you're talking to the greatest wizard ever, Dumbledore. Yeah, there's no way. Like, of course, though, Harry, like, he doesn't really see a way out. He's very concerned and worried about this. So really upset for Harry here. And then eventually he tries to kind of fall asleep because each night it gets a little bit worse, you know. And then all of a sudden, moonlight is like shining through the bars in his window. And we know from the next chapter, it's not moonlight. It's the light of a car, like car lights, headlights. But someone's like looking at him through the bars. And it's none other than Ron Weasley. So really big chapter there. A lot to unpack. It's, it's so good, honestly. Like such a good chapter and... Not the best chapter, obviously, but it's like, it gives a lot of insight, you know, a lot of history and stuff. It talks about how bad the Dursleys are, what they do, what they did, and also gives a lot of, like, insight to Dobby and his character, and we learn later how important he becomes, so really cool chapter, and I would love for you guys to give me any thoughts, theories, opinions, questions, anything like that. You can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter page is at Slytherin Pod. Facebook page is the Aris of Slytherin Podcast. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. It would mean so much if you would subscribe and listen to my episodes and spread the word. Just follow the social medias and you can donate to this podcast as well through the Anchor link. And you can also leave me like a voicemail that I can play on this podcast too. It's like a voice message. So yeah. Super, super excited to continue getting into this book. Now that we've gone through the first two chapters, next week's episode will be chapter three, The Burrow. So make sure you read that in preparation for that episode. And if you're listening from the UK, then have a lot of fun seeing Fantastic Beasts this week. Because unfortunately, I live in America and I can't see it until next week. Thank you for listening to the Heirs of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Mika Ella, your host. Bye.